Okay, so it's Halloween. He- yeah, it is. Which is the which is the same the same time we started this podcast. It's happy our two-year two anniversary. Year anniversary. And I wanna, happy two-year anniversary is a is a lot that's happened in the past two years. But what I want to know from you, Scott, is the time that you have been most scared. Like what what sticks in your memory? I don't think we've had a discussion on the podcast. Uh, I hope not. Anyway, what if we did it on the first podcast? Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. Uh, I probably should check that. But what sticks in your memory is the time you have been most scared of something. Oof. It doesn't. If, if if it's something that's too personal, obviously don't talk, <laughs> don't say it. But if there's if there's a memory that you could talk about that you have where you're like, that was the time I was most scared of something. Well, I I was quite a, a fearful child, really. Uh, you know, now like okay. like you know, horror films don't bother me now. I watch horror films that that I. Very rare. I'm kind of scared by kind of films or or most things really. You know, I might get a bit creeped out in my house alone, but you know, I'm I'm all right as an adult. But I was a pretty fearful child, really. I was quite scared of a, a lot of stuff. Um, and I used to have in my bedroom. I used to have my an old CRT TV. So like this thing predated me, and it would be and you know, when my parents okay, yep. replaced it, yep. they I got this one in my room, and it used to the way those TVs do. Uh, it used to like creak. Have you ever seen? You know when you like yeah. you ran one of those TVs, and it happens with modern models as well. But then, as it cools down, when you turn it off, it will like creak, or sometimes like the tubes would. Re- I don't know what they do, but it would create like a big, like a little, like boom, like boom. Yeah, it's 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 almost it's almost like a it's like a slight cracking yeah. noise, isn't it? And uh, that is would it, that it? would yeah. wake me up. But specifically, there was one night. Um, I was really struggling to get to sleep and I would swear, you know, um, that this thing kept going off, like the TV. I don't know what was wrong with it, but probably just normal. Like it was just particularly warm or something and it was cooling down, but it was creaking. I got really creeped out. And I remember at one point, like opening my eyes and I could swear that something was coming towards me and like kind of almost went boo, really. It kind of went pah or something right before my eyes. Yeah, uh, and obviously, I I think that was you know you're, I was between you know, half asleep, right, and you kind of see things. But that was I was really creeped out that night as a kid. I remember that. That's probably yeah, one of the most that, like scared would... I've ever been of something. That it's stuck in your mind as well. What what was your reaction? To I, I what think did you do? I think I managed to keep calm like enough. Where, like I didn't get up and go for my. I think by that point I was slightly too old to like be going into my parents' room and being like. <laughs> going to sleep. So I think I I let that sense. Yeah, of, eighteen. You should yeah, be doing exactly. Twenty two. Uh, <laughs> so I let I let that sense of shame kind of keep me in my room, and I um, I probably tried to watch a video or something. I used to watch videos on very low Star Trek Voyager. Oh, lovely! It's one way to keep yourself. That's one way to just distract yourself with something. Yeah, yeah. For me, the time I was most scared is isn't like a time of the night or anything where where something has been quite spooky. But I was at a swimming pool, like a swimming bath, with my with my mum and my brother, and my brother was like learning to swim, and I needed a toilet. So I was I was like ten, I was like ten years old, I think, and my mum let me go and just go to the toilet myself in the swimming pool. Not in the swimming pool, but like <laughs> yeah, find a toilet, sure, find a toilet sure. nearby. Um, and I go to the front desk and I ask them where the toilet is and they point uh, towards a corridor uh, where they said the toilet toilet's just there. And I misunderstood what they were pointing at. So I went into the corridor and there was a way to turn left and there were some stairs that you could climb up. And so I climbed up these stairs 
uh, and then just started walking through these these corridors and like these office spaces, not really knowing where I was meant to be going. And I come, I eventually like I walked for like a, well, a few Are minutes. Are you in like your swimming trunks at this point? No, no, no. I, I was watching my brother learn okay. to swim, so I was wearing actual clothes. I wasn't just a child walking <laughs> through some office spaces. You know, you know, swimming baths, the old swimming baths in Swindon. Uh, probably. It's like near near where steam was, or near the train station. There was like some swimming yeah, baths sure. there, which just since shut down. But like, above them was like office spaces and things. You could get into the office spaces from the swim for some reason. Um, so I'm walking past all these offices. It's like a Saturday, so no one's in. There's like one or two people like you could you could see in the offices themselves. Eventually, find some toilets, and I, I go in, go go to the toilet. I do my thing. I wash my hands. You know the usual. And as I leave, I didn't notice at a time, but it turns out there's two exits slash entrances to the toilet, and I leave through the wrong door. So I've not left the toilet the way that I came into it. The door shuts behind me. I go a little bit further forward. Realize I don't really know where I am. Turn around, and I'm completely lost. I'm just in this 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 empty office space which is dark and it's dingy because those are not nice areas at that part of Swindon and it's it's and I am horrified and I immediately start crying and I yell for help and there's no sound I just start walking around these empty offices just looking for any sort of way to get back to where I came from and I'm probably up there to me it felt like absolutely ages it probably wasn't very long at all because the swimming lessons were still going on by the time I got back but I'm, I'm looking around these offices just yelling and, and crying and just looking for help and eventually I come down I, I, I go down some more stairs and I find like this this almost like a breakout room and in the breakout room is this, is this woman and she's sort of just doing some tidying and she sees me crying asks me what the heck I'm doing there and I'm just like I'm lost I've no idea where I am and she and she leads me out and as she's leading me out, she walks me down this corridor. And we come to the end of the corridor, and we, we were exiting at the bottom of the stairs that I first climbed. And to the left of me, right by the bottom of the stairs, at the toilets I should have yep. been in the first place. <laughs> it was, oh. it How old was were the you? idea of being lost. I was about 10 mm. years old. So the idea of just being lost yeah. as a child, and like, you have no idea. There's no one around. No one's able to help you. It's just that very visceral feeling of, this is I'm I'm stuck. There is nothing I can do right now to help myself, and it's that is that was that was horrifying mm. to me. And it's, it's um the idea of getting lost or losing something is a lingering anxiety for mm. me. So that's something which like the idea of lo- losing something or like leaving it out somewhere is makes makes me anxious. My brother like a, a year later, my younger brother once left his mobile phone out at a park when we, when we were playing. So, like, he just left his... We, we went out together, just, just the two of us, and he left his mobile phone behind at the park, and it was raining. And just the idea that this phone that belonged to him was just sort of laying somewhere unattended made me feel very anxious and just, like, quite sick from anxiety. It's it's, it's a lingering thing, but that's, like, a, a moment that sticks in my mind as being the time where I was maybe most scared. And it was it was not like I had anything to be afraid of. It was just the fear of just being lost in a place I didn't know. Yeah, and I do feel like our generation got a lot of like stranger danger kind of thing as well. Big time. Uh, that yeah, and absolutely. the previous generation, well, like the eighties and nineties. I, I guess still today it happens, but like we got like a big dose of like you're gonna get fucking kidnapped and and die. Absolutely. That was also the time of the um the paedophile hysteria 
in like Britain, where yes. there was a lot of anxiety, like a lot of media coverage and a lot of like reportage being like, yeah, if you go off on your own, you're going to get fucking kidnapped and like molested. Uh, yeah, there was that. There was that girl who was kidnapped, and I was like, a um, there was a there was a law there was some that was high profile her name. What was her name? Um, yeah, but there were some high profile, uh, a couple of high profile like kidnappings or murders at that time. That shit stuck with me. Yeah, like that. Even now, that shit is real. I mean, stuck, I don't really, really want to go into like, um, the, no, yeah, actual, to go the actual it. child murders of that time. But there, but no, there no, are no, a few like not. very high profile cases, and there was a subsequent like a lot of hysteria in the news of, and that was like the messaging I think we received of like stranger danger, like be careful, you're gonna get kidnapped, you're gonna get like yeah, yeah, you're gonna get murdered if you. I, if you I get, remember. If you I used run to run off on your own. Like me also, me and I mentioned before, me and my brother we used to go to like the park and things together. But it was a period like, I, I was just obviously responsible for looking after him um, because I was like the older one. But it got to a point where we'd go out during the day and I felt fine. But as soon as I got home at night, my anxiety would stick onto the what if. Like, what if we're being kidnapped then when we're out there together? What if that? Eventually, I just said, said, said to my dad, I was like, I, I don't want to go to the park, just the two of us anymore. I want you to come as well because. It was it was scary. It's weird how that stuff, while obviously aimed at parents, but it was a real. Things, I like, I was really to frightened. Kids. Yeah, I remember being really frightened. Yeah, exactly. It was um, yeah, a, yeah, a strange time. I wonder what that is for this kids' generation. It, it's it's probably like grooming on the internet or something. Yeah, I think it's a because we grew up in a kind of wild west of internet in a way, but. Uh, yeah. That was only accessible. You had to sit down on a computer to sort of do it. Whereas I think now, I think it's kids having like phones with them all the time. And there's a, I don't know, I'm not a parent or a child um, right now. <laughs> but I remember as a teenager, it's... I had like my address on like my social media yeah. or something. And I was told, you can't have that on your social media because someone could Google you and find you. And I was like, how are they going to do that? And then they're like, well, look, I'll show you. And they typed in my name into Google and then my address as well, and found me. And I'm like, see, I'm like, but you already knew it. <laughs> what? Were you? That's not. That's not proof of anything. Yeah. What are you on about? You already know. The, you already it's knew that. It's kind of amazing to me that, like, because I remember when we were kind of twelve, thirteen. Like the messaging through uh, like schools and stuff was like online. Like, don't give out any information about yourself. Don't use your real name. Don't even tell them. You tell anyone your first name. Don't tell them where yeah. you're from. Don't even tell them the country that you live in. Like, don't give out any information about yourself whatsoever. Um, you know, I did. Uh, yeah, obviously <laughs> we did. But like, you know, within yeah. like five years of that time, um, everyone had yeah. a Facebook profile with their pictures, their name, their workplace frequently, like where they lived. And, pictures of their kids. And it was all online. Pictures of their family. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's a strange turnaround. It's I don't know what it is for today's for today's generation. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if you if you I, are a teenager now or even <laughs> a young child, they shouldn't be watching this. Should be listening to this. <laughs> if you're a teenager now, tell us what uh, what's got you scared. What is the the child paedophile hysteria of your generation? Uh, and if you're all too young, then get your parents to write. Yeah, letter. please. Uh, your parents have got to fill out a permission slip. Mail it to us. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll... Then we'll read we'll, it out we'll... live on air. <laughs> yeah, so... It... As, long, as long as it's your birthday. Um, yeah, it's... it's it's. I found that quite interesting. That, that first occurred to me when uh, I was watching... You know Red Letter Media, those guys? 
Uh, they were talking about yeah, those they're talking about Stranger Things and um, Meister Klasser, who's one of the, the the people there, was talking about you know uh, a lot of people think of the being a kid in the eighties as being like this freedom and you know a lot more kind of roaming around than you kids do now. But he was like, I remember like my memory of the eighties is is if you're gonna if you go outside you're gonna get murdered, you know. Yeah. Of course. That was like... I mean, people forget, still went outside because there was nothing else to do. People forget like still. the Stranger Danger hysteria of that time as well. Yeah. Yeah. I I, th- I think people tend to. like. There's always this feeling of like, oh, back in the day it was good and now it's bad. But that's only because nostalgia is a thing and you're currently living in the current existence that you're in right now. Um, well, this is a funny way to open a video games podcast. What if I told you no time is ever good? How about that? Oh yeah, okay. Welcome to the nerd. Welcome to the Nerd Handle Geek Podcast second year yeah, anniversary year. special. I'm your host, Cal Doughty, and with me, as always, is the man who puts the trick into trick or treats. It's Scott. Hello. I'm ringing your doorbell. I'm demanding a mini Snickers from you. What's this, Milky Way? Oh, gonna tell, I'm gonna, gonna chuck tell it back my mum on you. Get my dad. I'm gonna munch it up and then chuck it against your window. Gonna get my dad down um, here. <laughs> gonna beat you up. <laughs> she only gave me a Milky Way. Uh, trick or treating? I never did it. No, me neither. Never did my mum never let me celebrate it. She was always like, "American holidays are bad. Don't do it." She's not wrong. Yeah, I guess. So. <laughs> I like Halloween. Although though. I do think, funnily, funnily enough, Halloween is like maybe one of the least commercial of holidays. Like. I know, I know you've got like Halloween films and things, but it doesn't feel like. It, you know what I mean? It doesn't I quite guess so. feel. I as, think they as do make a fair amount of Halloween tat. I guess so. I don't know. I just, I mean, I just, it just Halloween tends to feel a bit different. My, my, Maybe it's because we're in the UK. I mean, the worst holiday is St George's Day. I think we can agree on that. Of course. Yeah. Not even a public holiday. Yeah. Don't even give us a bank holiday. No, St. Why should I celebrate St George? Yeah. Get, you, get you out, can. mate. <laughs> Something to mention at the top of the podcast, I think, is that while this is the two-year anniversary, we're setting two years straight of Nerd and or Geek, uh, one every two weeks. This is episode 52, which marks the exact 52 weeks of podcast. Well, not 52, 52 Fortnite, by weeks. 50 fortnights. 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 Yeah, you go. Uh, we will be going on a short hiatus until potentially the new... Guys, uh, it's been a hell of a year. <laughs> We we it's we, we, we we are going to take the last two months of a year and rest. I think that that's what we're going to. What we've been talking about. I think we both feel a bit burnt out with everything that's been going on. That continues to go on. Yeah. And yeah, we we decided we're going to take the last two months of a year and just take a bit of a break. Uh, we're planning right now. What to be, that? What? Well, all right, you go. Yeah. You go ahead and tell them what that means for them. What that, what that, what we're going to be doing in, in that time is that we're going to be looking at the podcast and seeing what else we want to be doing with the podcast, uh, what we want to be doing differently, what we want to be expanding upon, perhaps. But also, I'll be changing a podcast provider, so there's be some changes in there. You'll still be able to find it in all of the same places. We're not going to lose any podcast episodes or anything. I am promised. Uh, <laughs> hopefully, that will still work out just fine. But I mean, I've got them all backed up anyway. Um, but yeah, we, we should be back in New Year for our typical game of the year. Yeah, I think uh, that's what we're podcast. planning to. Game of the year podcast will happen. I'll still be doing my my videos in the in the meantime. You can still find Scott doing stuff on on the Instagram and things. But it's just you do this at least once every two weeks. So obviously there have been bonus episodes as well for two years. 
uh, I don't think there's been a period where we sort of like sat back and thought, what else do we want to do with this? And I, um, with, with how difficult this year has been and how sort of like burnout we both are, I think it's just a, a good time to just take a quick pause and come back refreshed once we are good and we know exactly what it is that we want to do in order to make this podcast the best it can be. So look forward to that um, in the future. But for now, we've got an actual podcast to do. So Scott, how are you doing? How have the past two weeks been? Yeah, it's fine. October, right? October's a month. Um, what am I doing? <laughs> uh, give, yeah, let let sure me is. give you give me some last minute advice while we um you know this might be the last time Wait. you can advise me before the new year. You want me to give you some last minute advice? Yeah. Okay. What's what advice? Uh, do you so need? in oh, it, don't wear matching. Don't don't wear all matching clothes. Why not? If 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 you're wearing like all the same color, it just looks weird. All right, if you say so. If 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 every clothes you're wearing is like, if you're wearing head to toe the exact same shade of color, don't do that. That's my advice. It's not fashion. Put some put some blue in there. So in November, did you need did did you need some some specific advice? Yeah. So in November, you, you oh, okay. know how every November <laughs> I write a fifty thousand word novel as part of National Novel Writing Month. Oh yeah. I've done that every year since yeah. two thousand eight. And I'm I'm not really feeling it this year. I've got to admit. Okay, what if you didn't do it? Yeah, I guess I I I don't have to. It's just like all events will be virtual this year. I'm not going to see any of my friends who do it. And yeah, I've just. I mean, what you in what you enjoy about it is the um, community aspect, right? Yeah. It's not just the fact that you've written. I, I, w- I would the, be the breaking my 13 year streak. Yeah, but a lot of things have changed this year, True. Scott. This doesn't even count. This is this is the gas leak year of community. <laughs> What's going to happen here is we we end up this year finishes, and then next year everything goes back to good again, and then you just you just make up for and it. And then we have then we got season six. Then we've got season five and then six, yeah, which the which are the really ex- especially good ones, which people don't six like. Six wasn't well, good. Are still really good. Six was great. All right, I'm not talking about this with you. Tell me what you've been playing. <laughs> what you're about? Six just is tell good. Tell me what you've been playing. Some of your issues of season six of Community. I've not seen season six of Community. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. That's why you don't want to talk about it. We always start with you, Scott. Tell me, tell me, give me, give me, give me your thing. All right. What's, what's been going on the past beep, two weeks? Beep, what have you been beep, doing? But 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 it's Scott's movie roundup. Movie roundup. Last last week of Halloween edition. I've been watching some films, mostly horror films, some other films as well. Uh, but I'm just going to give you a quick roundup and maybe give you some spooky suggestions for the Halloween season, or maybe just tell you to avoid some real stinkers. We're going to see. You've got a film in here that's not a horror movie. Yeah, I know. Uh, there's three horror movies and five out of five this time. Okay. Do you want to do? Okay, I just noticed how weighted my our, our stuff is to for me to talk about things do you want to do two films then i'll say something i've done need to do two more films yeah i, I haven't, I haven't really played any video now? games so we can do it that way all right first okay cool. in at number five we've got blood quantum uh blood quantum is a zombie movie uh it's a zombie movie set in a uh, native american uh reservation i think in canada uh they're cree the cree people which i think is canadian uh you know is around yeah I think it's Canadian is what I I'm saying. Know. I'm not certain. But okay. anyway, 
point is, is a zombie movie is set in on Native American reservation, and the idea is that the Native American people are actually immune to the zombie virus, and all the white people aren't. And that sounds like an interesting premise for a movie. Uh, that's that's a um, Key and Peele sketch. Is it? Yeah. So when did this film come out? This film came out a couple of years ago. This year. Let's have a look. I'm having a look at this because that is straight up a sketch from Key and Peele. Uh, yeah, it came out in 2019. I am bringing up. Sorry to ruin your your film here, That's but right. Key and Peele. Why zombie? That was uploaded to YouTube eight years ago. <laughs> well, I can't say whether it was based on that sketch, but it's still a fairly interesting premise for a horror movie. And the fact is, this movie was two halves of two more interesting movies. Because okay, the first half on. is like the classic zombie outbreak movie. It's the night of the outbreak. It's a classic zombie outbreak movie. And then they get to the point where they... You know, they've killed and encountered their first real zombie, and then it skips four or six months into like a post apocalypse zombie movie. And it's okay. really quite sudden, and I think each half of the movie would have been better had it been expanded to be a complete movie. Either do the outbreak movie or do the post apocalypse zombie movie. I don't know why they wanted to do both. Maybe they just wanted to mix it up a so bit. So, what you're saying. Were you saying both halves were good, but not together? They were both had the potential to be good if they'd been spun together into a full film. But on their own, okay, they okay. kind of left me wanting. Because I think there's two interesting things you can do with this premise. You can do the Outbreak movie where, you know, there's a, a zombie outbreak on a reservation, uh, a Native American reservation, and you see what's the differences in how that community responds to this. Are they more effective against it? Are they are they not? Are they divided? How how do they do compared to sort of mainstream white society at large? And I think that would be quite interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the other half, the other movie you could have done is the full-on post-apocalypse movie. Turns out the Native Americans are resistant to the virus and then have a conversation about well, is it even worth like helping the white people who six months ago wouldn't have lifted a finger for us? Like, should we even bother or should we just shut yep. ourselves in? That's an interesting idea that you can explore. Uh, and this movie does try to explore it, but only like in the, the guy who's like, we shouldn't help the white people is comically evil and is clearly the villain. <laughs> of course so, he is. Yeah, it, I really wish they'd gone full on with either idea that they had, but they had two halves of an idea that didn't come together to make a whole idea. I'm sorry, Blood Quantum was a bit of a miss for me. Oh, that's a shame. That's um. Ah, oh, what a, what a pity. What? How many? How many? Give it. Give it a rating out of five. Um, I think I'm actually. I put this in my letterbox. You could have had a preview of this if you subscribed to me on Letterbox. Uh, two out of five. <laughs> Okay. Uh, next up, we've Great. got Boys State. Boys State is a documentary. Boys. Uh, so Boys. Boys is state. It's the state of the boys. State of the boy, like the like the superhero thing. Uh, no, not the not boys. quite. Uh, it's uh, some literal okay. boys. Okay, uh, so like, like, like like Lord of the Flies type. Kind of. So Boys State is a I guess a youth program in the United States where 
they each state has like its own boys state and a bunch of politically engaged young men kind of teenagers oh, uh, they go on right. like a a trip to washington dc and they basically simulate or is it washington or like the state capital or somewhere somewhere political and they engage in like a week long <laughs> or two week long simulation of basically their state's government structure and they um okay. so they split the the thousand boys evenly into like two parties uh not republican democrat but they kind of just they call them uh federalist and nationalist but they're just kind of two names really and then the boys have to organize themselves according to like a an american political party uh select a platform they've got to run candidates for all sorts of um state government positions and then there's like an election uh at the end and the highest position is governor it's been going since like the 60s uh there's a lot of um you know people alumni of boys state have went on to become real life politicians bill clinton uh wait is this is that a real thing it's a real thing so this is real okay uh so it's like a it's a youth scheme that's meant to like in teach young people so you've not you've not started talking about the film no yet. young people about i've got to explain what it is real real i've stuff. got to explain what it is because okay, this yeah. is you need to know know what boys state is and there's a, i thought this was made up for the film but that's no, interesting no it is real there's also a girl's state i'm told but this is about boys state and um politicians like bill clinton <laughs> was um did you know boys state for arkansas and all all sorts of people who went on to become like American politicians uh, were involved in this. It's meant to engage people with politics. Any good ones? Uh, no, no others, no good ones. Okay. Um, but and that's what we're going to go into with the documentary. Uh, so oh, okay. Uh, oh, this is a documentary. It's a documentary. I must have missed that. It's when a you, documentary when you about Boys State, Texas. I think from either 2017 or 2018. Um, they don't explicitly say in the documentary, but it's you can tell it's shortly after the Parkland shooting because they reference that at one point. So I think that's 2017. Okay, right. Anyway, yeah. um, it's basically following. Uh, the goings on at Boys State, and basically how all these people are fucking psychos who only care yeah. about amassing power <laughs> and how this system, uh, because it's run by the American Legion, which is like a um, like a veterans like patriotism sort of organization, and great, yeah, but it's meant to like promote active citizenship but it's about how all these people like they all want to be like president or whatever they've all been planning to be a politician since they were like 10 years old and they're all complete psychos who are willing to say or do anything to get into any kind of position of power even within the fictional confines of like the boy state program um Right. Okay. Yeah, and it's it just follows a few people who are doing that. Some of them, are, they're all from Texas, which is quite conservative, uh, and they kind of uh, people. Some people rise to the top. Some of the boys fall to the bottom. Uh, some of them, you know, some of them are willing to say anything. Some of them try to have principles, but don't really succeed very much. Uh, it's a very yeah. Um, kind of uh unfortunate illustration of how the american policy for political system like even from this young age they're being taught to like work within it and like it's a system that stymies any kind of real change and they're That's being what you taught want in the world but, man yeah and um it was quite good it was quite revealing i do think the ending i think the producers they they try and go for a positive ending and i really think they should have gone for like these people are complete psychos there's like nothing 
absolutely nothing redeeming about their actions at all. They're all probably going to get into politics and they will be just as willing to like say anything to get into power as they are now. I I'm willing to bet they went with that ending initially, but then when sort of like uh, testing the film, maybe people weren't satisfied with the end. Maybe. Uh, I, mean, I can I can guarantee that definitely is like the the way these sort of things yeah. work. Where even with a documentary, your ending still has to be you still have to feel like you've satis- satisfied by watching a a complete thing. You know. Yeah, I would recommend Boys State. It was quite revealing, and it's uh yeah, and and enjoy uh interesting. Sometimes enjoyable, uh, sometimes depressing look into how the American political system conditions people before they even enter it. Nice. Okay. I will do a thing now. Yeah, tell me about um, some games you played. I'll tell you about Pokemon Sword Expansion Pass. Oh, yeah? Uh, which is a thing that came out in the part. Well, the, so it was. The first part of it, Isle of Armor, was released earlier this year, and that was meant to be like a smaller part of the expansion part, with the big one being the Crown Tundra, which released uh, in the past week. And the idea of this, this basically adds a whole new wild area to the game. So the Crown Tundra is a bit to the south of the main world, like the main area of Galar, and you travel there with the idea that you're going to go, going to go explore it, and you find this guy called Peony, and he wants to go legendary hunting. And so you go with him to start sort of like hunting for legendaries, and there's like some story beats that happen along the way, and you go explore this this new area, which is all wild area. So there's no there's no like loading screens between towns and things. It's just a a big chunk of new area that is all wild area, which is maybe the best part of Sword and Shield in the first place, I think. Um, and it's fine, I guess. Uh, I don't really think it's worth the money i mean the expansion pass itself costs like 25 pounds for both parts which comparatively is the same price that the witcher 3's expansion pass costs i mean that's that's like half the price of a game and i don't really feel like i've got half a game's worth of content out of this it's um the isle of armor was a small small area where you could get an extra pokemon you could do some a couple of trials and then you were done with it and this you sort of go to the area, it seems to promise uh, some story stuff going on, but ultimately you're just sort of running back and forth, getting some items for this legendary Pokemon who needs to regain its power and then you get those items and it regains its power and you catch it. And the, the only other story beats are go and find these other legendary Pokemon. So if you like legendary Pokemon, I suppose this is alright, but it's very much just like, go to the area, see a little cutscene, catch the Pokemon and you're done. And the area itself isn't that big once you start sort of going over it. It adds, it adds quite a few Pokemon, which I guess is cool, but I don't know. It's, it's more of the it's, same. It's, it's 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 not if it's not even necessarily more of the same because if it was it it, it would have been nice if it was like if it had like another big chunk of story or something, you know, like maybe it had like another villain you had to go tackle down or something. But it doesn't have that. It's just legendary hunting, which. Never been that interested interested in legendaries anyway, really. I don't think legendary Pokemon are like the most exciting part of Pokemon itself. I like doing the story and like fighting the big bad guy, which this area doesn't have. It's just go here, catch a Pokemon. Some of the cutscenes are funny. Uh, I think I think they're well written, but I mean it's like at most like ten out like six to ten hours long, which 
probably not even that to be honest it's probably like more close to like six hours long which i don't know for 25 pounds for six extra hours of pokemon of just walking around this area just doesn't feel worth it because I'm, I'm obviously i'm comparing it to witcher 3 which is charged the same amount for their expansion pass and you had two extra stories of that you had you had uh heart of stone which was a whole other eight hour story set within the the main area of the witcher so you didn't expand upon the land too much but it was was a whole new story with new cutscenes and things and then you had um blood and wine which added a new place to sant which is just as big as the main area in witcher 3 and it has at least like 20 plus hours of content within it with loads of different side quests but it's basically like playing a whole new game and people described it as like a sequel and i know that not all companies can do that sort of stuff for their game but Oh, I don't know, to, to charge this much for the expansion pass for Pokemon, which just sort of feels like just a, a sort of just a small area to run around in a bit. It's just it just doesn't feel like there's a lot of content there, and I don't really know what 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 they thought was so good about it. It's disappointing. I was really hoping for something a lot more with it than, than what I guess. I mean, I'm still playing it. I'm putting. To, I want. I'm going to get into professional Pokemon again and start like putting together a team and things. So I suppose that's fun to sort of encourage me to get back into that. But as a whole, not too impressed with it. Do you want to talk about your next film? Uh, yeah. What have we got up? Um. So this isn't strictly new. Uh. But I did rewatch Spider-Man Two for the first time in probably twenty years. Uh. Since I last saw Which it. Which Spider-Man Two? Uh. So the Sam Raimi Spider-Man Two. Okay, so, so not the time, Amazing Spider-Man no, 2. No, not the Amazing Spider-Man 2. And not, and not, and not, and not Spider-Man uh, Homecoming. Home, home, far From Home. Uh, uh, far no, From Home, yeah. Uh, not this that, is not Sam Raimi. So for the first time since it was released, I watched it. Uh, damn, that's a great movie. I forgot how yeah, great those Raimi spider are. That's a good movie. Are. Yeah, I forgot what it was like to enjoy a superhero film. Uh, really good. Um, emotional. <laughs> uh, I wasn't never confused, or I was always sure what the stakes were and what the characters wanted yes. and what was going on. Uh, brilliant, wonderful, great performances, exciting. Um, the city wasn't destroyed. Uh, it was a, a battle, a final fight that I could follow. That didn't wasn't yep. the same as yep. every other super film. Uh, brilliant. I loved it. Real emotion. You know, there's a there's a moment in that movie where uh, it's Peter's birthday and he goes to Aunt May's house. Uh, Aunt May gives him $20 and he's like, Aunt May, you can't afford this. And she's like, no, just take it. Like, please, I'll... F-. No, she doesn't say it in words, but she's... The subtext says, I'll feel worse not being able to give you anything for your birthday than I will for the lack of his $20. Yeah. Even though she's quite... No, she's in need of it. Uh, you know, she's behind on her bills and everything. So, yeah, I can't f- imagine that being in Avengers 6. Can't imagine that being Captain America 12. <laughs> no room in no room in these Marvel movies anymore for simple emotions like that. Uh, to be fair, Spider-Man 3 also had that problem of not having any room to do stuff like that. Yeah, so... The, the follow-on to Spider-Man 2 also, trouble, also struggled with too much bloat. Yeah, so what a great movie. Spider-Man 2, I've was so happy to watch it again. Yeah, it's 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 legitimately good. I mean, the, the, both those those two Spider-Man movies are just like really good. Three's fine. I saw it in the cinema, and it's 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 got too much going on, but it's okay. But Spider-Man Two, especially the train, the train scene, the train scene, what a classic. Yes, sort of train with a body. Scene. They, yep, 
New Yorkers love him. Spidey. Ah. Have you heard the news of or the, the rumours of the next Spider-Man film? They want to make a Spider-Man 4, don't they? Well, no. no. Well, they're making a third Marvel Spider-Man oh. film. No, I didn't. Is what I I'm just saying. made up what I said. But I said what I hope would happen. <laughs> <laughs> but kind of because they're doing a basically doing apparently a live action Spider Verse where Andrew Garfield from the Amazing Spider Man and Tobey Maguire from these <laughs> Spider Man those Spider Man movies apparently going to be back and working with Tom Holland Spider. You know what? Do it. Fucking do it, right? <laughs> Why not? Uh, I mean, obviously, Spider Verse is the best superhero movie ever. Um, Spider Verse is and real I will good. say that. Spider Verse is real good. Uh, Spider Man might be my favorite superhero. He's all right, isn't he? He's one of the biggies. I th- one of the big ones. I, I feel like he's the only. He's the most down to earth of all the superheroes. More so than like Iron Man. Can I can Thor. I make a confession on this our two year anniversary oh. podcast? For years, I claimed that my favorite superhero was the Golden Age Green Lantern, and the truth is. I liked his costume, but I never read in. I've never read a Golden Age Green Lantern comic. I just said it as <laughs> I thought it was cool to say. <laughs> Scott, I can tell you, there is nothing cool about claiming that your, your favorite superhero is, a, is anyone. Yep. Like, there's nothing cool about claiming a favorite superhero. There's nothing cool, of, certainly nothing cool about saying so. Anything Golden Age superhero. I like the Golden Age Green Lantern, but I like his red jumper. Scott, I'm also going to let you know something. There's nothing cool about doing a podcast either. I hope you're not been telling on you doing a podcast. No, I don't. I try no, and keep nobody it to knows tones. about this podcast. <laughs> All right, what have you been playing? Uh, I've also been playing. I'm going to go to Phasmophobia. You did a video Just to put a thing on this. You did a video on that I've one. done a video on this, Ooh. so I would suggest you go check out my quick thoughts video on Phasmophobia. Phasmophobia is a up to four player cooperative ghost hunting horror game so it's not ghost hunting in sort of luigi's mansion fun ghost hunting it is legit make your shit yourself scary ghost hunting where you and some friends enter a dark house you have to go walking around this house and trying to sort of figure out what ghost it is you don't catch the ghost you have to survive the ghost while figuring out what sort of ghost it is and then escaping um so the, the twist on sort of traditional horror games which put you in a house and sort of have you walk around slowly and try and avoid a ghost is that one, it's multiplayer, so you're playing with, with a group of group of others. And two, the ghost can hear everything you're saying because it uses your microphone. You have to use a microphone to speak to the ghost. And there's a load of phrases keyed in where the ghost will react to things that you're saying. And it is genuinely very effective when it works. It's currently in early access, and so it doesn't always work as well as it should do but i imagine they'll, they'll get it fixed and sorted out but as it stands right now when it works it is fucking scary um i said there was one ghost which we were dealing with and you can see this in the video where i go just quite confident i went do something and then the lights shut off the door slammed in front of me and my friend who was stuck in the room just started yelling like <laughs> get, let me out let me out it's too it's too much it was um and then we all just tried to run and sort of get out of the house and I unfortunately died Unfortunately, when it doesn't work, you're sort of struggling to realise what you're doing wrong because it's just you and your friends just walking around the house just constantly saying, like, Margaret Jones! Margaret Jones, are you in here? Margaret Jones, give us a sign just over and over and over. And it, it it's uh, that can be a bit repetitive, especially for, like, roommates and things. 
my partner was in the next room and just she was like i just heard you say the same name over and over and over for the past two hours what were you doing <laughs> it was um so it's 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 fun when you're playing but i imagine for those around you probably not as fun uh but I had, I had fun. I I don't really like horror things at all, as I've mentioned recently. Um, but it was fun to do this with a group of friends, and I had to leave my hallway lights on for when I walk around the flat later on that night because there might be a ghost in there. There might be a ghost in there. It's it's especially with some of the houses that you visit be it looking like normal houses. Um, you don't just visit like a rundown farmhouse or something. You something you just go to like a normal house and there's a ghost in there. And it's, it's, I was like, oh, this this could be my house. My house could have a ghost in it. It doesn't. I hope. Uh, so, Phasmophobia, pretty cool. Go watch the video on the Nerd Under Geek YouTube channel. Give me your next film. Uh, Lord of Illusions. This is, uh, I think, 95? It's mid-90s. A horror movie starring Scott Bakula. The man... I think you're going to say Scott Hunter. No. You were in a film? (laughs) But my mum does tell me that she named me after Scott Bakula. So uh, you can think it it includes me. Uh, What? I don't know if she's serious or not. That's what she tells me. So, named after Scott Bakula, now it's me, but also starring Scott Bakula, it's Lord of Illusions, uh, which is ba- it's a Clive Barker story, based off, a, I think he directed, did he direct, based off a story of his, something like that, something to do with Clive Barker, the horror author, and um, yeah, it's about a, a wizard. A wizard, um, he's all, like a wizard slash cult leader, but he is really magic. And he, his former students, who he mistreated, come back and they kill him. They bind him because he's got to he'll come back from the dead. Otherwise, they bury him. And then ten years later, uh, his disciple, his loyal disciples, are out for revenge, and they're they're torturing and killing all the all the disloyal people trying to resurrect their master scott bacula is a hard-boiled hard-drinking detective who's had one too many encounters with the supernatural he's been scarred by magic and he's he's in a downward spiral but he's compelled to take on the case and uh, look at what, getting too old what's happened. Shit. Yeah, kind of. Uh, so it's quite a classic story like that. It hits all the kind of detective tropes you'd want. There's uh, some magic, uh, some good special effects, uh, some, you know, uh, like magical transformations. I won't spoil spoil it, but, you know, some pretty good stuff like that. Um, a few bits of gore, which are not gratuitous, but quite well done. Um, quite atmospheric. I thought it was... I enjoyed this one. I watched this one uh, kind of late at night and um yeah i quite enjoyed it it had, it had that i can only call it like a slightly 90s aesthetic of horror film where it's it's feels very hellraiser-y where there's like a big i mean hellraiser with clive barker as well so that makes sense but uh it really saps you into this atmosphere of everything being a bit weird and it's like yeah. the only way that the 90s deal does like they're still playing with these kind of detective tropes uh they're doing it straight uh, but also there's like a feel of like urban magic and like this weirdness lurking under the surface of society i liked lord of illusions i would recommend it i say i i'd almost go so far as to say it's an overlooked classic not quite a classic but it's a, <laughs> it's a good one it's a an unpolished gem i'd add what did I'd, you rate it on your letter what did i rate it i think um six stars six no sorry five, three stars three and a half 
Um, I would definitely watch this one again. Uh, Lord Lucian's got three stars out of five. Okay. uh, My game... Yeah, my game is Pumpkin Jack, which is uh, if you ever you ever played an old school sort of like three um, D platformer. Yeah, think of like like Jack and Daxter, Ratchet and Clank, uh, Medieval, that sort of thing where you 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 running through these levels. Crash Bandicoot, that you know that you know the sort. MacBat sixty four, yeah, the best game ever made. Mac, there you go, MacBat sixty four. <laughs> so it's um, it's one of those. It's a it's a it's a Halloween based not Halloween based, but you you play you play a pumpkin man uh going through some spooky spooky levels. Um 3D platformer, which it's pretty good. It's made by one person, which is very impressive, and it looks very nice. It's got it's got a very nice art style, it's got um it's got very tight controls, it's got some really cool music, it's it's a lot of fun to play, and it's it's something I've, I've, played, I've put a couple of hours into it so far. And it seems pretty cool. So the first level has you running through like some fields and like some pumpkin fields, fighting ghosts and skeletons and things. Second level takes place in some mines and in traditional 3D platformers fashion, there's a minecart. Yeah, you bit. gotta ride a minecart. Like you gotta ride a minecart in these things. It's just a rule, and the minecart bit is very fun and very roller coasty with its ups and downs and things. It's not just like a basic minecart. It feel it feels very fast, and you fight a big ghost at the end. And that's as far as I've got so far. It's 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 a lot of fun. If if you're a fan of like 3D platformers, I think this is definitely certainly from like the indie side of things. This is maybe one of the better ones that I've played. It seems more interesting to me than like Medieval does, for example, which which Sony released a remaster of last remake of last year. Was that this year? That might be this God, year. When did when when did Medieval come out? Medieval PS4. 2019. I came out in 2019. Apparently on sale now for very cheap. Look at that go as well. But yeah, it's it's fun. Uh, what is cool about it is it's got a um, robust robust like combat system where getting into combat is not it's not just as easy as just like I think what you find with a lot of three D platformers is combat is just very much just pushing one button, making sure you're stood stood in the right place, and you just knock some enemies back. Whereas this has dodge mechanics. It has multiple enemies coming at you at once. You've got different weapons you can choose from. So it's like a three D platform where you can go around these levels finding different items which you have to collect. While also having quite a good, it's not, it's not Bloodborne. I'm not going to go as far and say like it's a it's a super deep in depth combat system, but it's certainly a lot better than what you usually get with these sort of games. It's it's it gives you some room to play, which is which is nice and and fun, and I'm having a great time with it. So that is Pumpkin Jack. It's available on everything. It's definitely available for Switch and PC. I got it on the Epic Game Store. I think it was £25 there. I've not finished it yet, so I'm not sure if it's definitely worth £25, but it's been made by one developer over the past three years, so you know, maybe it's worth worth a go. Uh, Pumpkin Jack on Steam. It's also on Steam for £19.99, so it's even cheaper on Steam than it is on Epic Games Store. It's because it's, it's, it's currently 20% off until the 2nd of November, that's why. Then it'll go back up to £25. Okay, cool. Recommend it. If you're looking for some sort of fun halloween game, Give that a go. If you've got if you've got a Switch, apparently it work. It plays quite well on Switch as well. It's designed to run on medium to low PCs anyway. So if you've got that, give it a go. It's 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 fine. It's fun. This is fine. It's fun. Is what I meant to say. Pumpkin Jack, your new best friend. 
What's your final film, Scott? Final film is called Unhinged. It came out this year. Uh, it stars Russell Crowe, and he's unhinged. You better watch is out. He unhinged? He's really unhinged, this guy. Uh, it's about a woman. Uh, she's mother struggling, bad divorce, all the usual stuff. Uh, she's driving one day, and the guy in front of her, he's just not moving. Light screen, not moving. She honks her horn at him and drives past. Little does she know that the driver that she honks her horn at is actually unhinged. Uh, he's proper <laughs> unhinged. Uh, he's and he goes because he's already killed his family. We find out, or we see him at the beginning kill his family, Shit. and then he's he's off on a spree. He's gonna kill everyone she loves. And it's just it's a her versus this guy. Uh, it's good. It's a tense film, well made. Russell Crowe puts in a good performance as the the unhinged man, the psycho. Um, yeah, and the, for good performances all round, including good child performance. Um, you've got some quite tense scenes where they're trying, you know, the psycho's holding their family hostage, uh, trying to get to him, you know, you don't know what's going to happen, you, maybe he's tracking them, maybe he's not, uh, you know, you don't know where he's going to come out from on the road, on his road rage, it's about road rage, uh, kind of, doesn't quite build the, uh, the, um, the the thinking theme it wants to provide of, like, is road rage like an avatar for our socially isolated society <laughs> that's a bit weird uh, is it scott no not really uh but anyway you're a driver yeah i i've i don't think so i've never become unhinged while driving uh but this is good i rate this three and a half stars out of five uh russell crowe puts in a good performance it's very tense it's a uh, high octane some good car stunts Russell Crowe. So, because it's mostly about driving um it's good car stunts good um practical effects uh very um, tense is kind of more almost a thriller rather than a horror um, although I don't like the term thriller because who goes for cinema who says I want to be thrilled tonight I don't know I want to be horrid yeah I want to be scared I want to be horrified I want to be thrilled at the cinema but oh, then maybe. I feel like you could get that with big blockbusters yeah maybe like, uh, I, if, I, I, if I was to say I've been thrilled by something that would be like a positive thing rather than a <laughs> yeah I don't know but well, I'd recommend Unhinged it's best of a lot I've reviewed tonight and um uh, might be a good final like late edition horror film uh yeah for your halloween what's, what's russell crowe been in? he was in gladiator uh he's famous for yes he, he was. was javert in um the lemis one and he's famous for that gif where he looks out the window at you what gif you know um what i've not seen this gif yeah i love a gif russell crowe javert yeah. gif where the joke is like, oh yeah, me, me waiting in line at like the olive, the olive Garden, and it's him like looking out the window. <laughs> yeah, good gift. Well, we've been asked a couple of times what are our favourite memes, and I've, I like that one. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, so, that's, that's a really good one. Uh, so he, I love he it. was in that one. He was in Master and Commander, which was a brilliant underrated film. Never seen it. Uh, he always wanted to. My, oh, my dad owned the DVD. Uh, and I kept looking Command- at the DVD, we should, thinking, "Oh, we should I watch see that. Master and Commander next time we're together. We should watch Master and Commander. It's really good." What's it? What's it about? It's about um, uh, naval warfare in the 18th century. It's about a captain of a British kind of boat, and he kind of a British boat, and he's been tasked with tracking and bringing down a better French boat before it can disrupt it's set during the napoleonic war disrupt british trade um 
important supply lines. It's notable for its quite realistic depiction of like the Navy and naval warfare at that time. Nice. I mean, all I know about it was the DVD cover, which oh, I thought looked cool. Yeah, it's quite, it, it should have got a series, really. It was very good. Uh, yeah, it's quite realistic. And yeah, I would definitely recommend very Master and Commander. But I would also recommend Unhinged. Um, yeah, Russell Crowe. Looking... Don't you feel like Russell Crowe looks a bit like Mark Heap? I don't know who Mark Heap is. Plays Jim. Oh, Brad sure. Knight. Maybe. he's He gained a lot of weight for this role in Unhinged. I don't know if he just gained weight. Not, not that there's anything wrong with gaining weight, but I don't know if he gained weight normally in real life or if he gained weight specifically for this role. But uh, he looks quite different than he normally looks. So, he, you know, he was quite convincing. Has he got life. a beard in this role? I think I'm he, looking... he does. Uh, yeah. Although, to be fair, Russell Crowe always has a beard. Yeah, he's had a beard before. That's a stupid yeah. question. <laughs> I'm looking at those pictures and he's got a beard in every <laughs> single one. And I was like, <laughs> what an idiot I am. Uh, let's talk. We've got a game that we both share this week. Yeah, we both um, played New Jackbox Party Pack. The 7. New Jackbox Party Pack 7. That's good as hell, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, there's some good games in it. That's good as heck. So Jackbox, of course, is a, is a party game series which sees you and your friends connect to a server with your phones or a computer, and you can play connected together like like like, like competitive party games, like question games, a lot of like improv-based games. I think the last and two packs, one, they've had some real knockouts. The last two packs, they've had like one or two like really good games, and the rest of them are sort of just fine. Whereas I feel like this pack, you've got, is it five games in total? Mm-hmm. And four of them are really good. Yeah. And one of them's really shit, but we can we can get to that. Uh, have you played all of the games? In it? I've I've played all the ones apart from one that the people I was with, playing with said was really shit. I don't know if that's the same one that you think is really shit or not. But I've... which one did they say was really shit? Oh, I need to look up the list of them. Look at get the, get the list up because I I'm very interested in seeing what. Okay, so so what we played was. Um, I've got, to, I've got to load up this page. Uh, we played Talking Points. That was really Amazing. good. Uh, Tell me the game that you didn't play. I'm trying to remember. I don't remember names. Tell me, it. Scott. Oh, my God. Give me time. Uh, Is it The Devils in the Details? Uh, I think so, yeah. Yeah, it's Wait, shit. What's The Devils in the Details? Uh, it's you, you. You live in a family of devils. You've got to do a bunch of activities together. Yeah, we didn't play. We didn't human, play that one. I think we didn't. It's, it's we a didn't semi-cooperative play, game. We didn't play bad. that one. Yeah, you didn't. You didn't mess out much. No. Okay, let's go with. We go. Let's go. Bots uh, top down. Okay, top down. My favorite was talking points. Oh, I meant in terms of like what the order of the games. Oh, well, you just give me so Quiplash. Okay. Quiplash three would be the first one. Oh yeah, Quiplash three. More Quiplash. It's good. That's... Quiplash is a game which uh, gives you these phrases, but like some parts of the phrases are blank, and you and someone else have to both answer your own sort of like quip within that, and then everyone votes for the funniest quip. Uh, Quiplash, Quiplash is a, is a series which I think has struggled to have a good third round. So like the first two rounds are basically just normal Quiplash, and the third round is usually a twist on the formula, but usually it's bad. Um, this one though. Basically changes up the formula by making you do three jokes in one, but it becomes like a, a rule of three. So like it's got like a 
things you shouldn't say at uh, like on an airplane or something, and you've got to like give three answers, and you want to answer them effectively enough to be the funniest. So that you could just like say one thing which is normal, a second thing which is normal, and the third bit is the punchline to land effectively land the joke. It's it's a rule of three game, and I think it's very effective. Uh, how did you guys find Quiplash? Yeah, fun. Yeah. It was like as good as all the other like it, as all the other Quiplash is. It's a, the same winning formula. I like Quiplash, but with yeah, a bit more. Okay. It's probably I would say wasn't my. It's kind of middling in this pack because there's so much good stuff there. Champed up. Like this one, I like the drawing games generally. Uh, this is good. You've got to draw. Uh, you get a prompt. You've got to draw a thing based on that prompt, and then another player in your group is going to get your drawing without the prompt, and they've got to draw based on what they think the prompt was, and then they go head to head, and your group votes on which one is best. You're drawing like essentially superheroes, aren't you? So like it'll be like the champion of. Um, anxiety would be one, and you've got to draw, draw what you think the champion of that would look like, and then they'll get your champion and have to do what they think the opponents of that thing would look like, but they don't have the actual, they don't have the champion of anxiety, so they don't have to guess. And then when it comes together, it gives the audience the prompt said, who do you think would win the champion of anxiety? And you see the person who's actually drawn a champion of anxiety and the person who's drawn the opposite of what they think they thought it was, and it can be very funny, I think. It's I I really enjoyed that enjoy that game. It's um does require some level of drawing skills I think like do, you'd have to be really good at drawing, but you have to be able to effectively show what your what joke you're making, right? I guess so. I mean, it can be funny if you're drawing shit as well. It can, it you, can, you can be. get abstract <laughs> as well if you want. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I tend to find that that requires some explaining <laughs> at least to then make it funny afterwards. Um, I re- I really enjoyed this. This is one of the only games which I consistently won. Uh, so this was one of my one of my favorite ones there. Talking points, then tell me about talking points. Talking points, points is great. It's uh, you get basically you're gonna give a presentation. Uh, you um, but someone else, another player, has designed the presentation for you. So it's up to you to get up there and and talk. Um, while another player. Uh, they choose the title of your presentation and it goes like text, picture, text, picture, text, picture. They're choosing it as they go along. So you've got the thing of you've got to queue up the next slide and obviously you get a choice of uh, interesting and funny uh, text you can do, uh, words you can insert and then weird pictures as well. And the, the active player has to string together a coherent talk or maybe not so coherent talk based on the prompts that they're being given. They never end up yep. coherent. And all. then, yep. And but, but meanwhile, uh, the rest of the audience, the, you have a reaction meter. So they they give you a negative or positive reaction based on how well you're doing. Yeah. It's, I, this is the game which, I mean, I, I, I've been playing this with a group of people from, that I know from improv. And so this is the sort of stuff which, which we all quite excel at. But even then, there were people in our group who were like, really nervous about the idea of like giving a speech to other people in this group that they didn't have you essentially like you're still giving a speech even if you don't actually know what the topic is going to be you have to effectively give a speech and be funny and it's it's very i think this is the hardest one to do but the payoff for it is so good there was there was one prompt i got which i'm not gonna repeat on the podcast because it's not it's it's very not safe but the first picture that came up it was about masturbating okay 
It was about masturbating, the prompt oh, I yeah? got. And the first picture that came up that my assistant gave me was of some minced meat. <laughs> and I lost it. I could not do the speech. It was the... F- uh, I, as soon as I realized the connection, I completely lost it. I was crying with laughter. I just couldn't do the speech. And it was just... It was very fun. That's, 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 a, that's a great game, provided you have the people willing to put themselves into it. It does require a level of level of engagements that the other games maybe don't require. Quiplash, I think, is the closest to it, but the other, like certainly this one, someone giving a speech does not come naturally to some to some people, and I could see some people definitely not enjoying it. Um, but for those who do, it's I think it's it's that's the highlights of the entire pack um, of of the games. And then finally, in that is Blather Round. What do you think of Blather Round? Uh, it was okay as far as I remember. I can't. It's one that I think has left the least impression on me out of the three. I quite liked Blather Round. So, liked... so Blather Round is the the pop culture guessing game, uh, which has you basically. It gives you a prompt like a, like a thing, a place, a person, a story, etc. And then you could only describe it using the words that it gives you to create a sentence. So like you could have like words that come up as like. You say it's a good fun time experience, and like people have to figure out what you're talking about based on the only words that you've been given. So it's it's we tend to use this as the warm up game because it's 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 a game which which doesn't require a lot of improvisation or anything. You're only using the stuff that's there for you, and it's just a lot of fun to have a group of people then trying to guess that and getting getting it right or wrong. Seeing some of the guesses people come up with was very funny to me. Um, I I, I like that one a lot, especially as like a warm up game personally. Did you have you, how much? How long did you play it for? Like an hour and a half or so. Not that long. So maybe we played, played it more. for three hours one night. Damn. That's uh, that long. was uh, that was that was on the sun Sunday night, and then on Friday night we played it from about eight p.m. until I think we ended up stopping about midnight. That's another four hours. That's quite we impressive. It. Yeah, it's it's there's a lot of longevity in these games. I think I think. That's they're really good. That's a, that's a really good thing. And that's the end of our two. Oh, the Carol, past two weeks. I saw you cross out D and D on your on our document. Oh yeah, Do I just, you not I want just to talk to me uh, about your D and D campaign. I could talk to you about my D and D campaign if you want. I'm back in another D and D group, which we're now doing via Discord. Um, it's a new campaign. It took me a while to think of what I wanted to be as like my character. So, this is a group of people who I didn't know. Previously, I knew one person who invited me to come join the campaign. I didn't know anyone else there. So doing this, over, one, doing this over the Discord is awkward, but also doing it with people I didn't really know. It's been trickier, I think, than the other D&D games that I've done. But I've, I'm have a good time with it. It's, I'm having a really good time. So it took me a little while to think of what character I wanted to be. And in the end, I've, I've got an elf fighter, but like how I was going to roleplay him was something that I've really struggled with, certainly for the first week. And then the second week, I decided to take some of the things that happened in the first week and just really dive deep into that. And so my elf is a bodyguard to the Dwarven Bard that's in our group, but he is very unperceptive. He never notices anything. And also he's a massive idiot. So he um, he just, he just I, I play him as just the, the dumbest person ever. So if anyone even so much as suggests that he do something, like, oh, um... Quickle, this would be a really good idea if you did that. Like, there's a window that we couldn't pull open, and someone suggests that I run at it with my shield. 
And so my character just did that, thinking it would work, and it, of course, didn't. I just injured myself instead. But that's the sort of guy that he is. He's he's very well-meaning. He wants to be a hero, but he's just a massive idiot, and it's it's a lot of fun to play that. But what I found is that in real life, I'm also a massive idiot. <laughs> yeah. Um, it turns out because we got to. We went up. We were in this house. It's, it's, we're playing the Curse of Stroud, which is like a well-known D and D campaign. I think I don't know if you've heard of it or not, but mm-hmm. it's, it's apparently I've, I've seen people talk about it before. And we're in this we're in this like spooky house, and we're going upstairs and things. And I'm told, oh, you feel you feel a draft uh, coming from upstairs. You get upstairs, and you're you're on a balcony, and I'm like, oh, is that where the draft's coming from? They're like, oh no, it's an inside balcony. And for a moment. Not in character. I could not comprehend how inside balconies <laughs> could be a thing. I forgot that inside balconies existed. I forgot you could have like little balconies that like look into, look over into like um like a living space and things. It was it was just I was so confused and my my idiot character is completely rubbed off on me. Um, yeah, but we're having a lot of fun. It's uh we've done it three weeks in a row now. We're getting to grips with one another. We're learning it like what. How to how to gel with one another and it's 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 good. I'm looking forward to see where it all progresses. I'm having fun. It's nice to be back in D and D again. Good. That is the end of the the, the two week stuff that we've discussed. Then, uh, so let's move on to the news. Are you ready for the news, Scott? I'm ready. Give me the news. Let's get the news going. Okay, so the top news is breaking news as of today. Cyberpunk 2077. You excited for it, Scott? You ready to play it? No, I'm, I don't want to play it. You're excited. You can't wait to play it. And don't worry, you only have a few weeks to go. Except it's been delayed again. A few more weeks. Another three weeks. A few, another another three weeks has been delayed. So, so CD Projekt Red came out today on Twitter with like a... <laughs> Like a screenshot, you know when you you know when someone's apologising for doing something bad, yeah, like a celebrity, yeah, yeah, they've done one of those, but with like the cyberpunk background, and they they've tweeted, "We have important news to share with you," and it says, "Hey everyone, today we've decided to move the release date of Cyberpunk 2077 by 21 days. The new release date is December 10th. Most likely, there are many emotions and questions in your head. So, first and foremost, please accept our humble apologies." The biggest challenge for us right now is shipping the game on current gen, next gen, and PC at the same time, which requires us to prepare and test nine versions of it. Xbox One X, slash X, compatibility with Xbox Series S, Xbox Series X, PS4, PS4 Pro, compatibility on PS5, PC, and of course, Stadia. While working from home, while working from home. Since Cyberpunk 2077 evolved towards almost being a next gen title somewhere along the way, we need to make sure everything works well and every version runs smoothly. We're aware it might seem unrealistic when someone says that 21 days can make any difference in such a massive and complex game, but they really do, especially when you're crunching your staff like hell. Some of you... They didn't actually put that in there, but they might as well have done. Uh, some of you might also be wondering what these words mean in light of us saying that we achieved Gold Master some time ago. Passing certification or going gold means that the game is ready, can be completed, and has all the content in it, but it doesn't mean we stop working on it and raising the quality bar. On the contrary, this is the time where many improvements are being made, which will then be distributed via a day zero patch. This is the time period we undercalculated. We feel we have an amazing game on our hands, so we're willing to take every decision, even the hardest ones, if it ultimately leads to you getting a video game you'll fall in love with. Yours, 
Adam Badowski and Mark Marcin Marcin Martin Machinski Machine Winsky. So what do we think of that, Scott? Well, we've covered uh, CD Projekt Red and their, their kind of shit business practices before. Uh, they are crunching their staff. Uh, they're having a big crunch. They promised there wouldn't be. And unlikely, we don't know for certain, but it seems unlikely that these extra three weeks are going to alleviate that. Indeed, it'll probably be another three weeks of crunch. Uh, so yeah. that's shit on their part. Uh, I don't really care about the game anymore. Like I'm, I'm not going to play it anyway. But I just think, um, yeah, we've uh, bad for their staff who are going to have to work more crunch. And probably crunch will continue after release because they're just going to keep doing patches. Oh, yeah, because then you've got patches coming out. Afterwards, you've got DLC. Uh, the only thing on, I really yeah. want to talk about with this is uh, there were quite a few people on Twitter saying that they'd book time off for the game to release. And, you know, you've done that before. You've booked time off for video game to release. I've done that. I've not done it for the new console no, launches, but uh, I did have they, done it for games in the past. And they were obviously... A bit annoyed that um, that this delay had happened and had rendered their time off. Now, point like they won't be able to get do the thing they want to do. Uh, that I, I don't know feel too strongly about that. I mean, I think when you take you arrange your life around an event that you don't necessarily have control over, like you take the risk, right? You booked the time yeah, off, of you, you took the risk. But what I think was quite shitty was up until yesterday. Uh, there were people tweeting the uh, Cyberpunk and the CD Projekt Red Twitter account uh, being like, I'm going to take time off. Like, I'm about to book it off. Before I book it off, are you able to tell me, like, is this a definite release date? Is it going to move at all? And the, the Cyberpunk account was replying up until yesterday, uh, you know, 24 hours ago, was saying, yep, absolutely, 19th will release no doubt no, no, more no more delays is what they said and they they had to have known uh so i mean well, i'm I, not sure if the social media person necessarily would have i had know to have maybe known. not um but you know uh, it's, it's definitely very much different departments and this is very yeah, much like but a, it's like today they've made a decision that, but I, i'm willing to bet that, that the the messaging did not get to the social media that, that is kind of shitty on their part right yeah of, uh, yeah i mean you should always you should always on. like plan ahead for this sort of thing um I think it's... I mean, this is one of the most anticipated games of the year. It was meant to... I've just seen someone tweet, someone I'm, I'm friends with said, this game was meant to be out four months before my baby was born. Their baby is currently born and, well, she's going to be 25 before I get a chance to play it. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's, it's funny to see, like, think of it in that in that regard. Of just, this is not the first delay of Cyberpunk. This is... Was it meant to be out last year? I don't know. I can't even remember. I feel, yeah. I feel like it was not meant to be... This it definitely wasn't meant to be this late, but it feels like it's been pushed back like four times at this point. Uh, what I what I did like is the the important thing of uh, Jeff Keighley has posted that it's because of this, Cyberpunk twenty seven seven will not be eligible for the game for the game of the year. Oh, the game no. um, so just like <laughs> Super Smash Bros Ultimate a few years ago, Cyberpunk twenty seven seven will be first eligible at next year's Game Awards. Oh, so gotta wait. <laughs> Gotta wait for uh, yeah. Well, I that matters to people is, apparently. What what's happened to Bravely Default Two that was meant to be out of this this year? We didn't even get any announcements of any delays it still, for that. Is it still coming out? Let me Google this. Bravely Default Two. Uh, Nintendo website has still got it as. Um, let's have a look. 2020 release date 2020 it's not happening is it uh yeah i want to know <laughs> when's it gonna come out i wonder if that's nintendo's or square's responsibility to announce any sort yeah. of delays on that 
Because obviously it's a joint, but I, I know a Nintendo publishing it. So they didn't for Octopath Traveler. I don't know, but yeah. So, uh, that's 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 one of my most anticipated. Well, not that I'm going to have time to play it. Year, yeah. With all the stuff that's coming out in a, like a month's time, we're two weeks away from the Xbox launch. How are you feeling? Excited, actually. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I mean, people have just got their PS5s, and there's there's been like videos of like the PS5 and stuff. I've seen some some playing of the Series X and some of the stuff it's doing for like old gen games, which is it all looks pretty exciting. I was looking at a video of the um, Auto HDR. It adds on to old games now, and it's it's makes them look pretty cool. So I'm feeling I'm feeling pretty good. I'm looking forward to playing Ori and the Will of, Will of the Wisps, a game that I could play right now on PC, but <laughs> I want to play it 4K um, at 120 frames per second. I guess <laughs> if that means anything. Um, yeah, I'm I'm, look, I'm looking forward to it. And you got three weeks on Thursday until the PS5's out. Busy time. Uh, next news then is... Oh, Cal, we've had some pretty good guests on this podcast in our time. Uh, I think. But there's someone who I don't even think we could get on this podcast has been uh, streaming on Twitch. Who is it? Yeah, it's um, Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, from... From the United Chichi. States. United States, uh, New York. She did uh, some streaming of politician, left, left, left wing politician, left wing uh, social democrat politician. Part of the yeah, uh, she's I like her a lot. She's all right. She's great. Uh, Yeah, yeah. in terms of politician, she's definitely up there. Definitely not sure. Yeah, obviously, uh, definitely, especially in the American landscape. You know, I'd uh, I'd like to see her way of thinking get more traction over there. Absolutely. Nice. Um, but she she made her Twitch debut uh, the other night playing Among Us. Among in order Us. To encourage With, I, viewers think, uh, to I think the other uh, representative, Ilan Omar, was on there as well for bits of it. She was as well, yeah. Uh, who's and they were playing with some, with some Twitch streamers. Of, as they called it, The Squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, they, they were playing Among Us yeah. with um, the Twitch streamers, Pokemon, and. Hassan Abbey, yeah. Disguise Toast, Doctor Lupo, and yeah. more. Yeah, I um, think H Bomber guy was on there. Uh, nice. A bit. This is the Pretty right good. way for them to be to be had. Uh, I mean, this this if you if you want to encourage younger people to vote, you need to reach them on their term on their terms, right? Like, if unfortunately the Republicans and the right wing have got have got very good. Meeting young people on the internet encourage them to join their their causes. I mean, you, you you don't have to chuck, you you can't make three clicks on YouTube without coming across a right wing YouTuber page, and that's because they've they've effectively managed themselves to to make use of this well, this burgeoning yes. market of young people. Although, younger I, although I do think it's worth noting that still, like on the national scale, like Republican voters are overwhelmingly older. Like actually, oh, of course, yeah, the way the younger demographic votes is quite no, it's very. Oh, I mean, not Republican. So, but in terms uh, but, of like right-wing but, thinking, I think there's a lot of that stewing. In sort of like the, so it's good. The, I think it's um, yeah. I think it was just a joy to watch as well. I watched a few clips of it. Uh, it was fun, and I hope it reached some people. Me too. I think I think it's so important. I mean, this is what the sort of thing that we need to see more of from. In, if you want to reach the younger you, the younger user base and voters, which is what what the the um left is sort of very much relying on these days is uh, wanting the younger people to come out and vote is you need to meet meet them on their terms on their turf 
in an area which shows that you understand them and picking the most popular streamer game right now to play especially a game which so effectively works as a multiplayer game and show effectively so effectively allows you to sort of have fun and be funny with it is so important i think as well so to to have her and some other um politicians there actually like effectively not just it wasn't just like so this isn't Pokemon Go to the polls. This, <laughs> this isn't that again, is it? This isn't like Hillary Clinton. Well, it, it, it helps that um, Alex Arcadia Cortez and Ilan Omar and so on um, come off as actual nice human beings and not horrible war criminals like Hillary Clinton. So, but also they come across it, like they know what this is. This isn't fake for them. They they feel like they genuinely fit into what they're currently doing. It was it wasn't like. I don't know what's going on, but here's a Pokemon reference to get people to like me. This was, let's go and play this game and have fun and be genuine with it. I mean, Ocasio Cortez is, is a known League of Legends player, for example. She's not. This isn't like her, her first time playing a video game, which I think you probably could say for a lot of politicians that if they if other politicians tried to do this, it would come across them fa- as fake and corny because they wouldn't have done that before. You'd, they'd need to have like a little helper there doing it for them while they just comment on what's going on. Um, but this feels genuine and real, and this is yeah, what we and need. it was fun. What and we it was need fun more to, of, I think. It was fun to watch as well. Exactly, uh, exactly. Can't think of any so, MPs that I'd want to see this. Maybe could you Jeremy. imagine anyone over here doing that? We just don't. don't we I, just don't I, have that. I don't want to watch Keir Starmer play Fortnite. That'd be awful. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, though. Right? Like, like how we don't really have anyone. Who is necessarily appealing to anyone? The, well, really, really anyone, really. Also, but the but the young in such a way as what as what as 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 they have with this. I mean, Ilhan Omar as well was like sharing pictures of her gaming PC that she made herself. You know, it's it's this is a real good way of like reaching younger people and, and encouraging them to vote because they should do. I guess it's it's yeah. quite important to do so. I mean, it's. Good. It matters, I think. Um, you know at what the very least, being so. You know what hasn't been so good at reaching young people. Come on, the Google Stadia. <laughs> do we even have a news story about that? Yes, yeah, so oh, we, we do. We <laughs> That's a good segue. I like yeah. that. Uh, I like. I like that a lot. Um, I noticed. I saw Pac-Man Royale. I was like, "That's." Can you tell that... me about Pac-Man Royale and how it hasn't so, reached young people on the Google Stadia? Um. <laughs> Pac-Man is getting a battle royale game called Pac-Man Mega Tunnel Battle. There's a demo available now, but it seems to be exclusive, or certainly at first, to the Google Stadia. It's the first on Stadia deals. It would join the service on 17th of November. And of course, as a battle royale game, which you want a lot of players to be playing, they're going to make it free. Oh, wait. No, they're not. Oh, it's going to cost what? $20. <laughs> I was as you read out this story. I was literally thinking they gotta make it free, right? Like no, obviously, uh, obviously you'd this, make it free. Uh, this, um, Cal, this obviously 60, you'd make it free, right? This sixty-four player, <laughs> this sixty-four player multiplayer game will not it, be free. Battle Royales, which are is essential to have a big player base. You, yeah, they're not gonna make it free. <laughs> Not gonna make it free. Oh, it's but gonna cost tw- well, twenty dollars. But, but you know 15 what? Fifteen pounds. At, at least Stadia has a large install base, so they're <laughs> bound to pick up some players, right? That's what I mean, right? Like, uh, if you're on, uh, like, you should make it free anyway. But let's say you didn't want to make it free. 
don't launch first on Stadia? Like where there's, want, no, there's no player you base? You want to promote your Stadia platform. You want to promote the fact that, hey, you can play through your browser. It doesn't cost you. You don't have to get a, our founders pack anymore. We're done with that. <laughs> you can pay through, play through your browser. Oh, but you'd have to pay £20 for this game. $20, $15. Remember when 15, Nintendo 15 encouraged, encouraged people to sign up for their subscription services by giving them a quote-unquote free-to-play Battle Royale retro game in Tetris 99. That's yeah, what this and, could and be. Like, and the Switch had like a large install base as well. Exactly. That's what but, this could be for, for Stadia. Oh, if it, if, Stadia. But no, they're going to charge you <laughs> £15 for it. Google bankroll it a bit, <laughs> will you? Oh. Pardon? Google bankroll it a bit. Google could cover that game. If it's the developer who's worried about recouping costs, Google could guarantee that game's financial success. It's fucking Pac-Man. Uh, all right. Well, you know what I just did, thought did, of? This, this is... did, did, did this come from the Pac-Man Google Doodle? Remember that from a little <laughs> while ago? I remember. I you imagine know, that's where this started. You know what I just thought? If we're, talking, if we're making classic arcade games into Battle Royales, why don't you make Space Invaders where you're 99 Invaders and you're trying to survive your Space Invasion? Uh, I guess, that, I guess it good, wouldn't be fun it? if you're just the invader. I like, everyone I would think, just keep leaving I, the game until they became the, like, the shooter. I think someone could make that work. Give it a go. Contact. I don't know who who owns Space Invaders these days. Oh, who knows? Atari. I've, I've got no it's idea. Atari, isn't it? I think it's Atari. Space <laughs> doesn't matter. It's not going to happen. Um, just a bad decision all around. Um, That's Sage. Spe- bad decisions all around. <laughs> Speaking of bad decisions. Talk to me about NBA 2K21, Scott. Oh, so you know, I don't know if we mentioned earlier this year when uh, 2K Games had a, I think it was a UFC or just like a martial arts fighting game, and they patched it after release. uh, After release, they patched it to have full screen on Skipper Lads in it. And you know how they got a load of backlash for that. And And then they said, um, this was a mistake, we're going to get rid of it. Yeah, well, I couldn't have done it again, could they? (laughs) Uh, They only gone and bloody did it. Uh, so, yeah, they've done the same in NBA 2K21. Uh, they've put in full screen unskippable ads into the game that's already been out for months and a bunch of people already got. Six weeks old, this game is, and then they've just, ac- they've just quote unquote, this, accidentally patched it in. Yeah, this reinforces what I've been saying. Like, don't buy a game at launch, a big, a AAA, a big published game. Don't buy it at launch because they might do shit like this. They might put ads they in the might. game. Leave yeah. it six months, leave it a year, and then you know what game you're getting. I just... <laughs> thing is, so, the people who buy NBA games, either they... Do they care? That's the thing. And that's why they do it in these sports games. And um, we talked about this before, that there is a... Uh, that the audience is different. It's a more casual audience, perhaps, that doesn't keep up these trends, who maybe won't be as vocal. So I think this is the big litmus test, uh, whether there's... Yeah. Because there was a negative reaction last time. I think the big litmus test is, do they have the same reaction this time, or are they able to force it through? And if they do, it might be coming to more games. Because I could see it being like, um, like if I was, if I was like one of these people who like quite like the NBA games or whatever, I could see like, oh, they got ads in between the matches, just like in on the TV. Uh, you know, that's what that's what the TV. Or, or, or but more, I suppose it fits. I I say more like this is part of the game now. I guess I don't know yeah. what to do about that. At least the price isn't going up for the game when they do stuff like not, this. Though, not not yet. 
Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, they're going to they're gonna want 70 I, I've bucks. I've got my, I've got my producers talking to me for the third time today to correct me. Uh, apparently, prices of the games are going up to £70. Hello, Mr. 2K. What's yeah. that? You want another $10 from me? <laughs> my God. And I get ads in the game. That's extra stuff. The game didn't have ads before, yeah, extra, Scott, so that's extra, new. Extra's a patch, extra content patch. That's new, that's new content yeah, that more, wasn't in the game volume, before. Something else to distract you. Yeah, oh, that sounds great. Sign me up. Let me give you my money. Um, God, what a, what a mess. What was the ad for? I, can't uh, I, I think Jack Reacher on Amazon or something. Some One of those uh, shitty Amazon TV oh, shows. There was, a, there was an ad for the Oculus Quest. Oh, yeah. Apparently. Uh, the, for for the UFC game, it was the boys Amazon okay. series of the boys, but for this, it was the Oculus Quest. I'm still living I mean, three years in the past thinking about Agent Jack Reacher. They've issued a statement via their official Twitter account, uh, revealing that the inclusion of the ads was at least partly a mistake. That's what they said uh, last time. I know they don't apologize. They <laughs> say yesterday's 2K TV ad placement impacted our players' experience in a way that we didn't intend, as these ads are not meant to run as part of the pre-game introduction. <laughs> This yeah, we fixed okay, in future okay. episodes. <laughs> oh. So those ads were meant to, they were meant to be in there, but they weren't meant to run as the pre-game introduction. So they're going to be in other areas, maybe at the end of the game. Do you believe or them? Or in the middle. Do I believe them? Yeah, do you believe them? Um Yes. <laughs> okay. I think I think if there's anyone we could trust in this world, it's games publishers. Sure. <laughs> I like them. They seem like good guys, and I hope to work with them in the future. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of not being able to work with people in the future, Ooh. there we go. There's a segue and a half. Uh, Bethesda games don't have to launch on PlayStation for Microsoft's $7.5 billion deal to pay off, insists Phil, Phil, Phil Spencer. Philip Spencer. This is from Eurogamer. Um, he said in an interview with Kotaku's Steven Sotilo, uh, he was asked whether it was possible to recoup the $7.5 billion purchase of Bethesda if they don't sell Elder Scrolls on PlayStation consoles. And Phil Spencer apparently replied immediately with yes, uh, before saying that Microsoft doesn't have to ship Bethesda game on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to make the deal work for us, which is a very interesting way of wording that, wording yeah. that phrase. Uh, his replying for is that this deal was not done to take the games away from another player base like that. Nowhere in the documentation that we put together was how do we keep other players from playing these games? We want more people to be able to play the games, not fewer people to be able to go play the games. I'll also say in the model, I'm just answering directly to the question you had. When I think about where people are going to be playing and the number of devices that we had and we have with xCloud and PC and Game Pass and our console base, I don't have to go ship those games on any other platform other than the platforms that we support in order to kind of make the deal work for us. Whatever that means. The whatever that means was him, by the way. He ended the sentence okay, with sure. whatever that means. <laughs> Which I agree with him. <laughs> whatever that means. So basically, I'm, I'm looking like the future Bethesda games aren't going to be coming to. Who, who knows? Who knows? People are annoyed about this. Uh, they see it as sure. like Microsoft. They're annoyed at Microsoft for like um, stifling them of gaming experience. And obviously, ex- exclusives typically do keep people from playing games but I've i mean said, i've what, said that before and i'll stand by it uh probably be annoyed at bethesda though right for selling in the first place i guess so i mean just be annoyed at the whole damn system right it's all 
parts wheels in the same machine. But what Microsoft, what, what Microsoft's doing here is, I mean, this is not, this is no longer. But, but a, they're also not committing to anything, right? They're saying they're not, we don't exactly. have to do it. Um, you know, Sony doesn't want to play ball. Uh, they don't exactly. have to sell it. That's uh, but the then thing, they, they could, they could do whatever. They could release it as Microsoft exclusive and then release it on PlayStation a year later and still make money. I could they see that could, personally. They could do anything um, like that. You know, they're, they're just teasing. They're, so they don't have to do anything. They're not saying whether they're going to, but they're saying they don't have to. What Microsoft's fighting is no, they're no longer fighting PlayStation. I, mean, I think we might have mentioned this before where it's now a content war between streaming platforms, right? Now, that's the future. You need to, if you've got Amazon putting together their streaming platform, Facebook this week announced they're going to have a game streaming platform as well. Um, which I mean, I'm, I'm not overly concerned about Facebook getting into this, but you're going to have a bunch of different companies now fighting for content to get people to sign up and to keep registered to their streaming platform. And Microsoft is just getting in there as soon as they can to make sure they have the content good to go. This is not about building an ecosystem to fight a console war with PlayStation anymore. So PlayStation basically responded saying, well, we grow our games in-house. We develop our studios in-house. We don't need to go buy other studios. I don't think Microsoft's thinking that way. They're thinking big picture here we're not just competing with sony now we're competing with amazon we're competing with google kind of uh we've got all these other areas that we're going to be competing with where if we don't have the content good to go when it becomes big they're going to flounder sony i think are going to be in some trouble not right now not this generation but in the in five years time where they haven't developed this content for themselves i don't think people could be strictly just playing on consoles anymore and I think I think focusing just on the console experience would be a mistake. I know for a long time we've said, oh, this could be the death of the consoles, but I think we're now finally approaching... You look at xCloud and it works really well on phones with just a 5G connection. I think we're approaching a, a level now where people can effectively get their experiences elsewhere without needing a dedicated console for it. Uh, so look forward to those new consoles in two weeks' time. Let's talk about the PS5 dashboard. You've got to talk to me about the PS5 because I don't know anything about it. Did you watch it? What? The the user interface video. No. I told you to. What? I said to you, watch this video. We're going to discuss <laughs> it on the podcast. When did you say that? Let me get the message up right now <laughs> where I send you a link to this video. Hang on. Hang on. 18th of October at 6.35. Going to want to talk about the PS5 UI as a news item next week, so probably worth watching this 10-minute video. So probably. Some neat stuff in there, and then you gave it a thumbs up, which to me means, yes, Callum, I'll watch that video. Thumbs I don't up blame you for Scott. wanting to take a break. <laughs> Pardon? I don't blame you for you wanting, don't blame to, for take wanting to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> we'll talk about it off the air. Um... Basically, so this 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 piece. I'm watching project. it now. Okay, cool. We'll just wait. I'll just sit and wait for eleven minutes while you watch no, this video. No, no, no. Well, tell me about <laughs> it. Okay, so Sony's offered like an in-depth look at uh, the PS5's revamped user interface and user experience, um, and also some of the upgrades that it will it will bring in. So part of that is the control center, which is basically you've got a button on your controller, you press it up, and within the game, it brings up a control center which has like your friends list. 
uh, your uh, a, a, a bunch of like little apps, little cards that you can you can access without needing to pause the game or exit out of the game. I don't know if you've used a PS4 before, Scott, but the user interface is fucking awful. Okay. It's so slow. If I need to go look at my friends list, that's at least two minutes of loading to see which friends are online at the moment. It's absolutely dog shit. And so what they're promising with this is that even within the game, without needing to pause the game, you've got to bring all that stuff up and see that information as you as you play. There's going to be a new um, activity features, activities feature, which is like a, a Polygon described it as a beacon for developers to point players towards objectives, uh, which is basically a picture-in-picture mode where developers have given you little videos which guide you on how to do bits in the game. Like, oh, I'm stuck on this this bit of the game. I'll bring up this menu, which lets me see a little guide on how to do this particularly tricky part, um, which I think is really cool. Uh, it's like it gets a little video inside the screen itself and lets you just see what you're meant to be doing there, which is just a nice sort of accessibility for those who maybe aren't particularly good at games who, to save them having to like go bring up YouTube or Google or something on how to do something, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, an example of that, they show for Sackboy, a big adventure, tells the player that it'll take about, oh, things like, it'll tell, tell them that it'll take them 10 minutes to complete the current level. So like it will it will base itself on your, on how you play the games and it can sort of work out how long it will take you personally, like as tailored to the individual, to complete something. So if you want to know how long I've got left on this level, it will tell you that. How long have we got left in this game? We estimate I'll take another three hours to complete the game overall. Which is a neat... I, I'm always looking at... Before I even play a game, usually, I'm looking at how long it's going to take me to play that game. Because I tend to play quite a lot of games. The idea that I could jump into a game which is going to take 200 hours is less appealing to me than the game which might take 15 hours, for example. So having that in the actual console itself is, is quite good, especially when it's tailored to you. Um, it also shows the PS5's rest mode boot screen, which takes players to uh, use the selection screen. Um, it also includes like a control center. The UI as a whole runs in 4K HDR. It can also capture 4K screenshots and videos. Um, game developers can even choose to mark certain screenshots with a spoiler warning when users send them to friends via the PlayStation Network. And it looks pretty cool. Uh, they also show the fast loading time. So they take you from... Sackboy's Big Adventure, which they're playing at the time, and then they go into the Destruction Derby game, uh, which is called something. What's it called? I don't know. It's, it's called. It's, it's like a. It, it it doesn't matter. It's called a game. It's a game. It's called something. But a game. They, it, to get into that game to play with the friends that have invited them from Sackboy, I think I counted it was like fourteen seconds, which is really freaking that's a game that's not already loaded up or anything it's just like straight in and then you're good to go you're, you're playing the game which is amazing and i i real i think that's the way the, the next gen stuff is is like the loading time stuff if they can keep that up that's um really great you can also see your friends screens when you're playing so let's say you're chatting to some friends over over your little chat group and your friend wants to tell you about some stuff that they're doing you can have a picture in picture where you're playing your game you could just have their screen in the corner of your screen. You can just see what they're playing, even if it's a completely different game, which I just think is really... I just think it's neat. I, it's just it's just pretty neat, and I love the social aspects of it, and that'll be really great when I know people who, who also have a PS5, which yep. will not be happening anytime soon. Um, yeah, all in all, I think, it, I think it seems pretty cool. It seems snappy, it seems fast, it seems slick, it looks very nice. 
it's made me genuinely excited for the PS5, um, which is not something I'd usually say about a, a UI, which typically I don't really care about, but like a good UI. I don't think anything's ever really come close to the Wii U, though. You know, when everyone like ran in at the start of the Wii U and like you had all the little oh, people yeah. stood around li- little well, games and things. Also, the original Xbox 360 Blades. Um, oh, so good. Thing. Look, I don't know why they replaced that. It was great. Yeah, and I just make it slow. All the all the subsequent ones have just been slow. Apparently, Xbox released their UI video today, and I've not watched it yet. So that's okay. A fun thing for later. Um, and that's it for the news. That's the end of the the news bit. Let's go on to the final discussion points, which where we're celebrating two years yeah. of the Nerd Under Geek podcast. So my question to you, Scott, my discussion points for this is: give me a couple of your favourite moments from the podcast that we've done. <laughs> remember when I sent you that porn? <laughs> <laughs> I do remember that. Uh, I've, been a... more, I've been much more careful since then. That's you have been very careful mind. since then. We, we, we have a document ahead of time now, which we put things into. Uh, I can't even remember the context of you sending me that. So like, I was, was just like, trying to send you a link, and I sent you like, You sent me a link to some to porn a, instead. To a, a Twitter account of like some porn actress, I don't know. <laughs> it was not your best moment. <laughs> no, it was not, not your proudest moment. I'm uh, sorry. But it was, it was, it was very fun. Uh, for me, one of my favourite things is getting um, the improv questions from Liam, where he asked us yeah, game thanks, tips Liam. and guides, cool. like to more how to save Zelda, how to kill Tingle, and some of my better was, comedy moments. Yeah, those those were great. Um, uh, voice acting episode, talking to your friend Kate about voice acting. Yeah, speaking to Kate about what it was like to voice act in the Division Two was was uh, a lot of fun. It was it all was our guests hear, have like, been good actually. All works. our guests. Yeah, we've had we've had a lot of good guests uh, on this podcast. Kate, uh, Kate was, was really fun, great. Really um, Sarah C recently. Yeah. Jack Evans, of course, has been on a number of yeah, podcasts. John, shout out to I've my, had John, my friend uh, uh, Card. Your friend, your friend John, talking about Star Trek, uh, Mochi, and Sean, comedian Sean Morley, talking about Final Fantasy VII remake. We've had some good guests on this podcast the past couple of years, and um, I think that's one area I'd like to do more of. Yeah. Preferably, year, you want less of me and more of a guest. I, I didn't say it, Scott. <laughs> I, that's that's you putting putting words out there. But now that you've said that, maybe uh, I want to nominate my many weird and failed intros. They um, were. <laughs> I, I don't know at what point in the podcast I decided you would just you would do the intros, but it's uh, been brilliant. It's it's always good. Is uh, there's a little bit of pre-pod stuff where I just say to you, "Have you got an intro?" And you go, uh, "I've got a, kind of got one," and then we just go into it, and it's always yeah. a delight. Um, yeah, those I think those are the best moments we've had. I mean, we've we've had a lot of good moments. We've big boys, about good boss games. battle, big boss battle boys never got made. Maybe it, well, yeah, you don't. Do you know. remember when I was going to become the mascot for Ubisoft? Glad that didn't work out now. <laughs> yeah, Glad I remember. It didn't work out now. <laughs> I remember a time from earlier this year, actually, where I was describing um, Eve's Gilmo. I was think I was referring back to when he was on stage with my Miyamoto and be like, he seems like a good guy. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we've got people like him in the industry. That sort of stuff. And it's just like, oh boy, how things can change. Uh, we've gone through a lot of change in the video game industry in the past couple of years. Looking forward to doing more in the new 2019 year. 2019 video games had a lot of good games that year. It did. This our year game, has had a good game. Christmas episodes I always liked. Yeah. Yeah. This is... Um, we'll suppose we'll see what next year brings. So that's the end of the podcast. 
Uh, oh thank you very God. much for listening. Yeah, Scott. thank you so much for staying with us for two years. Thank you, as always, Scott, for, for also sticking around and doing the podcast and making it a yeah, fun thing to it. do. Good. I enjoy doing it. It's, it's, it's a lot of fun for us. Um, and glad... we're looking forward to doing many new episodes in 2021. Yes, if everything's still around then. <laughs> Which yeah. it might not be. Happy Halloween! Bye. Bye. What you think was pumping